I'm curious to know what actually happened with their Xbox because I was getting a little bit worried about that. But now I know you just left it behind. Gave it to David. $400 leave behind. <laughs> wow. Okay, taking it to the next level. Hey, podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical MBA podcast. This one's at tropicalmba.com slash location independent. Today I am joined as is per the usual by the boss man, the CEO of our fine organization and the only man I know who makes a Miata look cool. Hey man, there's How's plenty, that card there's, treating you, man? There's plenty of guys that look cool in a Miata. <laughs> top down. I don't have a top down on mine, man. I got a hard top. This uh, Tropical MBA podcast, of course, used to be called the Lifestyle Business Podcast, is a place where we believe that building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom and opportunity in your life. I think what you're trying to get at is if you've never listened to the Tropical MBA podcast, what are we all about, Dan? We are all about location independence, personal freedom, building businesses, but we are also about well, okay. So I think there's there's been this crazy thing that happened, Ian, which is I think that the cost of time and location freedom has crashed, right? And I think our generation is kind of dealing with that. Like, what are the implications of it? Because the generation before us, I mean, not so many decades ago, maybe one, the cost of earning back your time and earning back your freedom of movement might be hitting it big, which is a giant risk. It might be working your whole life at a, at a quote, good job, which is also a giant risk, or becoming a bum, which is also a giant risk. I mean, for every you know famous rock star, there's 10 who just didn't make it. you know, And maybe because they went for that big risk, they wanted that kind of time and mobility freedom to do their art and stuff like that, they kind of, they weren't able to do the good career. So, I mean, you know, these things were extraordinarily expensive and now all of a sudden they're not so expensive. And so I think a part of what we do here on the show is talk about how we can build businesses that grow and scale and create real wealth while we enjoy the time and, and freedom mobility. So it's not, it, it's not all of a sudden, hey, I got to sit in a basement for 10 years and then I'll emerge hopefully and someone will buy this company. It's like, actually, we're just going to do these things in tandem. Yeah, that was kind of the old model. You know, when we're designing and developing these businesses, Dan, we kind of design them with lifestyle in mind. We say, okay, I kind of know what I want my P&L to look like and where on my balance sheet is happiness or where on my balance sheet is travel or location independence because that has to be baked in there for us to, to make these businesses viable. And I think the older generation, like it was always like, okay, I'm going to work and then I'm going to have that afterwards. And we're basically saying right. that's the old model. A lot of this stuff is already figured out for us. Like we don't have to do a lot of those things. So we're going to work and we're going to have that as well. Cake and eat it too. 
Another really critical element of this show, though, for me is that and of our community is that we don't think this stuff's easy and we don't think that you can follow like the 10 point Dan and Ian trusted guide to making this happen. Like you're not going to be able I was having a great conversation with a set of entrepreneurs like you're not going to be able to do exactly what we did and that's not going to work for you now. You know, if, if you want to be like X person, you can't be like X person. Right. Because what they what they were is they were innovative and they had like the right timing and they had the like the right product market fit. And so that's how you need to emulate them, not emulate them by doing what they did. And a correlate to that is this stuff. The cost has dropped, but it's not easy. And we believe in hard work and hustle. We're very hard workers. I think, you know, you can look at like what separates the people who've made successful location independence. You can say, is it resources? Is it hard work? Is it good? Is it good luck? Is it time in front of laptop? And, you know, you take all these variables and I'd say, I'll put my money on time in front of laptop. Actually, <laughs> you know, you could be a good deal cutter, have great skills or all these things. But a lot of times it is the people that are willing to invest the time in it. And I think one of the most important concepts we've ever talked about on the show is something we call the thousand day principle, which is that, you know, and, and Damien has broken it down a little bit more to say that, you know, the first year of those thousand days is you learn a skill. The second year is you sell that skill. And the third year is you decipher how to scale that skill. That's one way that those thousand days can can look like. But the general idea is that, if you want to go from corporate path to making money from a scalable location independent business, you're going to have to take a huge step back. And in particular, if you're on a successful corporate path, that step back might be, assuming you don't have savings that you can invest in a, in a business, that might be humiliating. And it might be rice and beans territory. And you know we think the benefits are worth it. And so that's something that we talk about is trying to get people uh, through that difficult period where you are taking a step back and learning new things and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I think we were at a little bit of an advantage, Dan, when we started because uh, we didn't really have anything. We were bums. Uh, per se. We were bums. We were bums. And so we didn't have to give a lot up. <laughs> I, was, I, had, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I had, 50, I mean, give or take $10,000 plus in credit card debt is basically like, you know, who knows what that yeah, was. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say, I hope you're going to say in debt. You definitely didn't have $10,000. <laughs> When you look at this thousand-day principle, Dan, I think the things that you get paid for today are the skills that you built like three or four years ago. So that's another thing to look at in your business. It's like, oh, okay, I made a million dollars this year in my business. Those are all skills in, in relationships and products that you've been building for the last two or three years. What are you doing today that's going to make that million dollars or that $5 million three years from now? It's just something, something that I'm starting to think about with this thousand-day principle and uh, when you get paid for what you're, you're doing. So it's kind of unrelated, but I just want to tack that on there. Ian, this week's topic is one of our favorites. It's all about the location-independent lifestyle and how it gets done. So let's just jump right into it. All right, Ian, this week, listener Austin gave us a call and has some questions, and we'll use this call as a, a launch pad to get into our thoughts on the costs and logistics of location-independent living. Hi, Dan. My name is Austin, and I'm from exportabroad.com. Uh, me and my co-founder are considering doing the digital nomad-type lifestyle, and I'm reading your most recent blog post about the real cost of permanent travel, and I guess I'm just wondering, are there any good resources for people just getting into it to find housing and make sure that the housing has reliable Wi-Fi and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the cities that are good for the digital nomad lifestyle, but I'm a little bit more interested in getting down to the nitty-gritty about, you know, specifically how do I find an apartment 
how do I find, you know, maybe a co-working space or things like that. Um, any information you could uh, tell me about that, that'd be great. Thanks. All right, Austin, thank you so much for your call. We love it when people give the show a ring. You can call us and ask us a question at 888-554-8428. I think people still use telephones, Ian. So Yes, they do. <laughs> I, you can't text us at that number, unfortunately. Austin, we have six general principles that we want to talk about this lifestyle, and hopefully you'll find them useful. Okay, so here's the first point, man. Uh, and I don't want to sound like a jerk, but... Don't let this be the resistance. You know, it's not really that big of a deal. I know it's it's seductive and it's fun to kind of sit back home and like, you know, hang on TripAdvisor for six months or whatever. But it's just this stuff isn't really that big of a deal. And part of the reason why I think this might be a fundamental thing here. The part of the reason why there's not so much content like this out there, like the location independent quick start guide to Peru and the location independent quick start guide to wherever, is that people don't value the content very much. Here's the thing. It's very expensive content to produce. Basically, you need to have a network effect. You need to have people producing the content on the ground, constantly uploading it and constantly changing it because this content change, you know, where's the best Wi-Fi in Bali? Well, that just changes every two months. So who's going to be there to update that every single time it changes. The second thing is that people don't really care about it that much. I would even guess that Austin, our, our brilliant, amazing entrepreneur listener, doesn't really care that much, right? Because I'm going to tell him where he can get his uh, Wi-Fi in Bali, and then he's going to get there, and he's going to have a different answer anyway within 24 hours, There's something that works better for him. So in other words, like there's a reason why we don't know this stuff, and there's a reason why it doesn't exist out there in the world. It's because it's it's just not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal, and I think uh, the more you do it, the more you learn, and the more you figure out. So uh, yeah, I guess like so, where are you going to get Wi-Fi? So you, well, where aren't you going to get Wi-Fi? You know, what I mean, I guess like in certain places it's going to be spotty or whatever, but these problems can basically be solved. I mean, here's another way to put it. And I was talking about this with with listener Paul, who actually came here to Deval. Uh, last night we were talking about it. It's like if you have a business that needs like plug and play, like you need to freaking get out of your airplane and and open up the laptop and you need to be on Skype. I mean, you're basically in this realm where you need to be paying for an Airbnb or you need to be paying for a hotel and a business class, you know, level hotel, like, you know, 80 to $200 a night kind of thing. Get in there, get plugged. And then that's it. And we were kind of going back and forth, Ian. That's about a 35K annual budget for that. Like, I need hot Wi-Fi the moment I touch down. You know, and that's amazingly inexpensive, by the way. Okay, okay. So so, so back up here for a second. So basically, you know, Austin's asking, you know, the real cost of permanent travel, any good resources, Wi-Fi, all that stuff. You know, I think the first thing to do is this, is to say, like, the number one thing that's been a threat to our businesses, Dan, is not being able to be on the phone. And so, like, if that's one of your requirements, if you need to be on the phone and you need to be in a decent time zone, you need to pick a certain level of accommodations, like you said, like you need to pick Airbnb or you need to be in a nice hotel. And you also need to pick the right place in the world to do that from. Like I can't be on the phone, you know, talking to to valet customers if I'm living in Bali. The Wi-Fi isn't strong enough yet still and I'm not in the right time zone. So when you start to think about your location, also start to think about your your type of business that you have. And what you're talking about here, Dan, is this this 35k annual budget. Yeah, I think very easily you can travel to many places in the world and 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 run your business for that amount. 
and I mean 35 like cost. So I'm not saying like I make $35,000 in sales a year so I can, you know, 35,000 that's what's going to cost you if you want to live that way. If you don't want to do that, I think you need to have a, a one a one week scrum period, let's call it, if you need to organize this stuff on the ground. Say you want to get a monthly or a month to month lease, uh, you need to organize a Wi-Fi connection. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, maybe check your emails in the evenings, but why not spend a week, you know, going around, knocking on doors, meeting with expats, figuring out a way to get yourself up and running. That's just the reality of it. I mean, you're going to have to be able to step away from your business for a week if you don't have the budget to sort of check into the business class accommodations. This is what we did up until only a few years ago, Dan. Is like we would show up to a location. We would like fret about spending the $55 a night on the nice hotel. So we'd stay in a place for like 35 until like we found the right people to talk to and yeah. like found the right place, you know, the best value, all this stuff. So, you know, what you're saying is like, look, if you don't have the 35K budget a year, like there is a way to hack it. You can show up to a location, but just expect that it's going to take you a week to figure out like perfect logistics. Whereas kind of the business class now is like you show up, you you just land in the hotel and then like you're yes. there. And you know, I've talked myself back to like a more genuine answer to, to Austin's first question about like finding Wi-Fi. I mean, like there's not a site that's like wififinder.com that's going to get you out of that weak scrum. The site that's going to get you out of the weak scrum is Agoda or booking.com or airbnb.com. Like those are the sites that solve that problem. And then at some point when you decide that like, you know, maybe you're just running at that 35K run rate for like two or three weeks until you find your right place. And you decide you want to lay low and cut your costs, then, you know, spend that two to five to seven days or whatever it's going to be to get yourself set up. And that that just seems to be the reality of the situation right now for me. I'd be interested in alternate. Maybe there is a Wi-Fi finder website out there that solves this problem that I don't know about. So number two, Ian, number two principle or thought on the cost and logistics of location independent living. And this is one that you wrote. It's very clever. The cost of living anywhere is the same cost of living anywhere. What do you mean by this? I don't know. (laughs) I wrote that? (laughs) The cost of living anywhere is basically the same cost as living anywhere. I I think at a certain level, Dan, and this isn't at every level. You know, we ran the math on it. So uh, basically every city in the world that I traveled to in the last year, with the exception of Amsterdam, you can get a very nice apartment with very fast Wi-Fi for $1,000. From there, if you don't eat like an asshole and you don't go out every night of the week, I think that you can make it happen for $1,500 a month on top of that. So we're basically looking at $2,500. And for that cost, yes, I don't own a car. I don't have car insurance or any of that stuff. But I think for $2,500, you can basically live in any city in the world fairly comfortably, with the exception of you know New York, Amsterdam, and probably San Francisco and a few other select cities. But generally not the cities that I'm hanging out in. Like basically, this is to say like the cost of living in San Diego is the same cost as living in Playa del Carmen. So it's it's basically the same. Uh, given that I'm looking for a certain level of accommodations, and that for me is what we talked about in the first point, Dan, which is I want to plop down, I want the Wi-Fi to be perfect, and I want basically everything to be figured out. So like, once you get to that $35,000 a year spend, that level, I think that you can live in 80% of the cities in the world. Okay, that's... Uh, first off, I love... You know, our fact checking on this show is 
how we have an incredible track record. Number two, I think it's remarkable that you can say eating like an asshole. I've never heard that in my life, and it's something about it is deeply <laughs> hilarious to me. Like, like, like there's something mean about the way that. <laughs> like I am going, you know what I am I mean. going to destroy this hoagie right now. <laughs> it does not stand a chance against me. Uh, it's eating the hoagie when you know you shouldn't, and it's spending sixty five dollars on a salad or whatever. Right? Yeah, on my artisan goat cheese delightful cranberry salad. That sounds delicious. Mm. Another thing I think that that's relevant to this point, Ian, uh, is that. When you stay in one location traditionally, like the traditional American lifestyle, you tend to tack on things that aren't in the travel lifestyle. Things like the snowblower bought on consignment or whatever, (laughs) the LCD, HBO, triple package, the Lexus, these kinds of things, the car insurance, like these kinds of things kind of get you up to that 35, 45K annual in raw costs, which if you kind of peel back that, hit the road, what you're saying is it's kind of come see, come saw. So I get it. You know, I've been in San Diego three weeks. I'm getting ready to leave. Consumer tendencies, if you're not careful, they definitely have a chance to creep into your life. Life is life is very easy here, right? Like, you know where everything is. It makes it that much easier to run down to Best Buy or something like that. So I guess I'm assuming with the $2,500 a month spend, that um, you're not doing any of that frivolous consumer spending, basically. And, and and it's to say that it's very easy to do in some places. Yeah, point number three is related, which is you know shed those expensive, specific, and, and heavy items. You don't need specialized items. You can pick these things up when you're, you get rid of the slow, snowblower and the boat. You can pretty much <laughs> rent a boat anywhere you go. I mean, we're really moving into this ownership mindset into a more renting Mindset, And I think that's part of the internet age, Ian, is that, you know, sites like Airbnb, what they do is they activate inventory that's already out there in the world. We've got enough stuff. There's enough cars out there. You don't need to own your own. You can just rent one when you need one. And that's getting easier and easier. The cost of, of renting is getting cheaper, essentially. Yeah, this excess inventory thing, right? I mean, it's just it's just amazing how, how all these uh, platforms and services have started to allow us to leverage that kind of thing. You know, like shedding these excess things, I think, Dan, also means shedding shedding things that you don't need to buy, right? So it's like, if I'm in the United States, like I have a tendency to like, oh, I'm going mountain bike riding, like I definitely need to go to the store and buy a helmet. But there's ways to get around that, right? I would have a tendency to buy the helmet here. If I was in Amsterdam, I'd t- have a tendency to like figure out a way to get like a cheap helmet or rent it or something like that because I, right. I can't afford that. You don't ride without a helmet? I mean, what are you what are you really protecting? I I definitely ride without a helmet in Amsterdam, and I think I would get some laughs. <laughs> Number four, cultivate the leave it behind mindset. So, you know, I still remember this this vivid moment for me when the hotel. I was checking out of my hotel, and it was the first time the hotel clerks ever like, "Hey, you know, the bellhop or whatever told me that you left two pairs of shorts in your bedroom," and I was like, "I know." That was my plan. <laughs> and I, I, there's something really, it sounds simple, but I think for a lot of people and myself, it, 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 it's a very odd thing to do. Like once you buy something, like that's your thing and you need to deal with it. And like something needs to happen. Like at best, I'll put it up on Craigslist. At worst, I'll, you know, give it to somebody or, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's, it has to be dealt with. And it's like, it doesn't have to be. You can just leave stuff behind. And, it, and and when you get used to this, it feels wonderful. And I, I've started scaling up the leave it behind thing. Now I'm getting on a roll. I've left Xboxes and guitars. And because and when I buy the Xbox, I'm thinking, how much is this going to cost me per day? 
is it a good you know value for me in my life you know do i want to win grand theft auto five or whatever this you know over the next two months is that worth whatever it's going to cost me and if yes go for it and when you leave donate it if, if you have the don't have the time leave it behind and just say you know congrats merry christmas to the maid or whatever you know that's just no problem and i mean it's a you can make ju- – I mean people have made judgment. People, people would stay someplace a couple days longer because they got to unload stuff or whatever. That just doesn't make sense to me anymore. And I think it's interesting to cultivate this Zen mindset of you know leave the genes behind when you're going to the tropical island. My basic principle on this one – and uh, I'm curious to know what actually happened with their Xbox because I was getting a little bit worried about that. But now I know you just left it behind. Gave it to David. $400 leave behind. <laughs> wow. Okay. Taking it to the next level. My my basic idea for the for the leave it behind plan, Dan, is that if I don't have a plan to use that item in the next three months, I'll leave it behind. So like uh, I'll leave my jeans behind, I'll leave sweaters behind, all that kind of stuff. Like if it, if I'm like rolling into summertime, I'm leaving it behind because I just start to think right about all the places I'm going to have to bring those jeans with me. Right. And it gets ridiculous. Like, oh, I'm going to have to bring it to six different airports and like I'm not going to wear them for now. Get rid of the jeans. Well, you are just so damn fashionable, too. You got to upgrade with every new fashion cycle as well. So, I mean, that's, you know, the other thing about this, Ian, is that like the dark consumer spots on the globe seem to be diminishing. You know, like back in the day, like you travel to Vietnam, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I need to bring like an extra like security blanket. I need like a mosquito net and I need, you know, I need a book that I can reference like when I get bit by a mosquito. (laughs) Like they don't have reference books for like what, what goes down, like with the health crisis or whatever in, in Vietnam. I just feel like, you know, iPhone kind of solves for all this stuff, you know, like Google it or whatever, you know, like, so it does seem like you do need, you don't need to prepare as much stuff. Even when I was looking you know, I recently made a packing post. I can't get away from how much I love seeing what people put in their kit. I'll link up to it if you haven't read the blog lately and you're listening to this podcast. And, you know, what, on 2008, what was a giant section of my backpack and a giant section of my post is now just iPhone. Yeah. You know, it's basically replaced like I used to carry books. Imagine that. Remember what those things were like? Yeah. They were heavy for the, you know, I love this idea of like, what's the value you get from something versus the density of it? You know, like iPhone is definitely like the most dense item that I travel with. Underwear are very dense. You know, don't try to bring three pairs of underwear. They're very useful and they're very dense. You know, totally. it's a lot, there's a lot of value in a small space. Whereas with jeans, for example, their, you know, value ratio is a little bit higher or whatever. Ditch it. Just ditch it. All right. Point number five, the velocity of your travel, of your movement around the globe is the number one impact on the cost of your location independent lifestyle. I think this is very interesting. And we talk uh, occasionally about the velocity of money. This is interesting how you can change the change the velocity of your traveling ch- is the number one impact. It's, you know, it's not necessarily where you live. It's how fast you're moving. Yeah, this happened to me last year. Like I said, I traveled, I think, to seven different countries. Definitely the most expensive year of my life by far. Part of the reason for that was uh, I was traveling to countries in places that I'd never been before, some that I didn't know people in, and a lot that I didn't have a understanding of the infrastructure. And so like, number one, the plane tickets will cost you, right? Because you're hopping on a plane very often. But number two, like 
you're just throwing money at stuff to get it working, right? If you don't have time, like I don't have time to just sit around for two weeks and like figure stuff out. So I'm just like throwing money at it, right? Like I'm just buying the Airbnb place kind of, you know, spend a little bit more money on it. So like the faster or the more you do that, obviously the more expenses that's you're going to increase. Yeah. And one thing when we're thinking about expenses and stuff, one shift that I've made that's only tangentially related to this is that when I invest in an apartment for a couple months, I think of my rent now as a percentage of my net worth and not as a percentage of my cash flow. I think it was very common, Ian, for me, like, you know, earlier in my life, I would say like, oh, yeah, I made like $3,000 this month. So I'm, it's okay to spend like a thousand of it. Or if you're living in New York, like 2,700 of it to live in this apartment. And now I just don't think like that. I think like, look, this place costs this much. How much percentage of my net worth is that? I don't, have you started doing that too? I think this is yeah. a, it's kind of like a employed entrepreneur kind of mindset shift that's worth bringing up. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was having a conversation with Taylor. This is a little bit off topic, but we're talking about like how much car should you buy, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I threw, I threw out the number like 5%. Like 5% of your net worth is like a good number. I think to spend on your car. And that's that's coming from a car guy. So that's why I drive a CRX. It tells you about the direction of my net worth. That's right. This hacking the cost creep, you know, I talked a lot about uh, By the way, the cars that we used to drive, the entrepreneur mobiles, so to speak, is a great way to uh, vet potential relationships, I think. Because if a woman is willing to date you in your entrepreneur mobile, I think she's a keeper. Yeah. So there's extra the benefits. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Hacking this thing. So we're talking about the velocity of your travel and how it can uh, be the number one cost and uh, price in price creep. One way to hack that, if you're just starting off and you want to travel, you know, maybe the first year you just travel to two or three different places and you do it with an established infrastructure or you do it where people you know are already there. And so that mitigates a lot of risks and, and potential costs. You know, I was going to countries where I didn't have any relationships or infrastructure. Very expensive, like I said. So if you're trying to hack it, go to two or three places. They might not be your favorite cities, but where you know people and you can just kind of start to get a feel for this thing. Hey, this is one of our travel maxims, you know, uh, B locations with A players over A locations with no players. You know? Absolutely. Number six, Ian, get your systems in place if you want growth and Travel. You know, one of the things that we believe is that you can grow wealth, you can grow a successful business while you live this lifestyle. You don't need to say, you know, in some ways, I think it's a weakness, Ian, to say, you know, that feeling like you've been on the road for a couple weeks and you're like, okay, I'm just going to rent this amazing, awesome apartment with, you know, 10 million helpers running all around because I'm going to sit here and I'm going to grind for two months. And it's like, really? Like, you're business depends on like your ability to wake up and grind every day. I mean, in some ways I appreciate, you know, that, that mindset, but also I like this idea of this, the business has to be independent of you. It has to be able to run on systems, processes, people. It can't depend on your ability to wake up with a great attitude and a good cup of coffee every single morning to make sure that the thing keeps going. Especially if you're going to live this lifestyle, you know, you're going to get thrown curveballs all the time. Occasionally I'll get the you know, aspiring location, independent entrepreneur, exasperated, like, oh, I can't find Wi-Fi today. And like, oh, there's a lot of this. Like, you know, if, you, if your business is the point where you can't take a couple days off of the Wi-Fis, you know, I think that's a great place to get started is get those SODs up, get the SOPs going and make sure that you're not, you're not going to lose your lunch if, if a couple days the Wi-Fi goes out in your favorite cafe. With that point in mind, Dan, I think we're, we're saying when we designed our businesses, basically we had the idea of designing a business that's going to bring us profits, but then also one that lets us live the kind of life that we want to live, right? 
I'm going to go, I'm going to say what I think here and then you can tell me what you think. But for me, it always starts with the business, even if it's just like half an inch and then it's the lifestyle basically. And so when I'm like running around looking for Wi-Fi, like to your point, like basically like I've got systems and processes in my business, so I don't have to do that. So like I can afford to miss almost any day in my business because I've set up processes, systems, and people in my business, so I don't have to be there for that. And so I think, you know, basically what I'm saying is like, if you set up your business, just even a little bit ahead of the lifestyle, you can make that happen. If the lifestyle is your number one priority, like you might find yourself running around looking for Wi-Fi. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you're, you you want to hit the surf break or whatever. I understand that. You know, I see this as a great opportunity to make your business more adaptable. Uh, when, when you know, when you talk to business brokers, you know, uh, our friends Joe and Justin are business brokers. You know, Jock's a business broker. One of the sexiest things you can say about a business, Ian. You know what I'm about to say? Absentee owner. That is just something that uh, people want to hear. People want to know. People want to buy assets that don't need to be, you know, run by the ruthless CEO that lords over TPS reports. So I think it's a great opportunity, Ian, to put those systems in place so that the thing can be on a flywheel and keep running while you're doing your weekly scrum. You know, maybe every three or four months, you know, you want to move to a new exotic location. And if it's going to be Phuket, Thailand or whatever, you know, you're going to need that week to find your villa and to make sure that your Wi-Fi is online. And, you know, you might even need to like do crazy things like sign a year lease for that Wi-Fi, a year contract. By the way, like this is kind of related to some of our other points is sometimes you have to do stuff like that, like factor the cost of, I got fiber internet in Bali, for example, when I was there, I signed a two-year contract and I just, I, I did the opposite of you know what you generally do with that. I just squished all the <laughs> squished all the costs into the time of period that I was going to be using it. You know, and it's like, hey, it, yes, it's tri- triple what you know the normal amortization would be, but I, I need it and it's good value for me. So you know, whereas maybe traditionally I would have that mindset like, oh, I can't sign that contract because I'm not going to be here for two years. So like, it forces you to kind of reconsider those types of decisions. All right, so plus you can always just break it. You can always just say, uh, I'm not paying anymore. Yeah. No credit reports over there. So, Austin, thank you so much for, <laughs> for the question. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great exercise in negotiation, in air quotes. I, I feel like, you know, Austin was really searching for tactical advice. I am probably not the best at that. Maybe for some of the reasons that we mentioned is that we just don't use a lot of tactical tools outside of Airbnb and outside of networking and things like Dynamite Circle and getting on Agoda. And I kind of feel bad on the one hand. On the other hand, I feel... Uh, I don't feel bad. I think uh, hopefully we did Austin a little bit more of a of a service, right? Like we can sit here and talk about, you know, Austin, as soon as you like the realtor shows you the place, like open up your phone, get on the Wi-Fi, get on speedtest.net, you know, make sure the Wi-Fi is fast, you know, all that stuff. Like you're going to figure out in the first like, you know, two months. What you two really hours. need to do... Yeah, yeah. Two hours. Two hours sorry. What you really need to do is uh, is think about the fundamentals of of what goes into this lifestyle, and are you building your business to be able to sus- to sustain this lifestyle? If this is something that you what you really want, you know, because like I said, in my mind, like business comes first. Like you come up with the business, you build this lifestyle into it, and then you make it sustainable. Like none of this stuff works. Speedtest.net doesn't work because you're too broke to even have an iPhone, son. You know what I mean? Can't do it. That's great. Well, anyway, Austin, hey, I'll tell you what, congratulations on wanting to take this thing location independent. I, you know, one of the things I think about, Ian, is like 
the dream that I had of this, you know, like the, the, the freedom of being able to roam around the world, like that dream has been delivered on, you know, like I still every morning I appreciate it that I can just wake up and walk down to the local Starbucks and it's Wednesday morning. Or I can decide that, you know, wouldn't it be great if I would, you know, check out, I heard there's a great meetup in Jakarta next week and I want to go there. I still appreciate that so much. So it is these businesses. That's why the business comes first, right? Because that's the bearer of the good fruit. So, yeah, absolutely, buddy. So, Ian, before we wrap up the episode, at the end here, I'd like to mention some news items. This week in startups has been absolutely crushing it. Actually, let me play a quick clip that I pulled out of the uh, one of the Jason's most recent interviews with Mark Cuban. Phenomenal interview. Here's the clip. If you don't know your product, service, or industry better than everybody else, whoever does is going to kick your ass. Look, it, there's no shortcuts. That, that's the number one rule. There are no shortcuts. You've got to grind. Grind, 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 grind. I played the clip because I really want you guys to go listen to this episode, downloaded it this week in startups. It's a really inspiring episode, and Mark talks about a lot of the things that he's thinking about for the future. This is a guy who's sort of got his ear to the ground, and he's always an inspiration. And, and he's one of these guys that's like exercise that hustle muscle. There was also a great interview with the founder of HipChat. A new software that we've been using in our business, Ian, to help keep our team communicating effectively from anywhere in the world. And that was a great interview, too. JP, who runs uh, the China Business Cast and came to Tropical MBA and runs Pro Teeth Guard, which is doing phenomenally well as well, I recently heard, mentioned about our last episode, Ian, that Alibaba is actually bigger than Yahoo and left a, a pretty informative comment on that episode uh, along with some links. So thank you, JP, for fact-checking us. That's really useful to us. By the way, all of the links and stuff that we're talking about on this episode is tropicalmba.com slash location independent. One more thing, Ian, I just want to mention before we get off the show. We've been running a little bit longer. Do you think, is this like, are we into like second or third album category where like at the beginning we're trying to keep things real tight and useful and now we're like sort of getting lazy and we just go on and we're like do the long jam <laughs> sessions and like we're like radiohead on the sixth album that's what i feel like now <laughs> i hope here's, not, man. No, here's I hope what not. i want to say i got an email the other day from the assistant of a successful guru like a, a person that presents themselves as someone who's successful online i just want to say this like Look, reaching out to influencers online is not something that you should be having your virtual assistant doing. And if you do have your virtual assistant doing, which is cool, you know, make it in a template so that email is from you. When I get these emails from people, it's like, hey, you know, I'm the assistant of, uh, you know, so-and-so important person, you know, they really want to do this and that with you. And I'm thinking to myself, like, really, am I that unimportant that you couldn't have just kicked me a five-minute email or you couldn't have had your assistant write the damn thing and then you couldn't just send it? How long does it take to hit a send button nowadays? And so this is just such a I'm going to tell you what's going on bone, here. I know, I know like, this. I, I can't, like, really? Like, I'm talking to your manila-based virtual assistant right now? Like, <laughs> how hard would it be? How unimportant am I right now? I mean, is, is my ego so large, Ian, that am I the only person bruised by this? Is that what's yes. happening? No, no. I think you. I think you just you're just misinterpreting what's going on here. Let me let me let me take a stab at this, because this is this is hyper annoying, and I think people are doing it for the wrong reasons. So I think like somewhere along the lines, like somebody told that person like it's baller to have an assistant, right? 
the same the same way like if you know it's it's a baller thing to do and so his assistant contacted you like as if this person was famous or didn't have the five minutes to contact you, you know? Five minutes. I'm talking like, about five seconds, man. And I, you know look, what? Man, have your assistant lie to me. Just lie to me. Like make a separate email address and just have your assistant write in your in your name. That's fine. Don't don't so you're thinking this guy's like, I'm so freaking amazingly engaged with this empire that I'm building that I couldn't take like stick my head out of the water for two seconds to send you an email. It's unbelievable. And here's why it's unbelievable. This guy's he I, I can go to Twitter and Facebook and see that you're posting cat pictures. So I know that you're not that busy. You're not <laughs> you're not replacing Russia in the G eight, man. Like I, you got you got a second to send an email. Don't put this most important I mean this is high level networking for your business. You know, and this is the same thing if you're doing a book launch or something. Email me personally, man. I don't want to hear from so-and-so marketing agency firm from New York City that doesn't know anything about marketing anyway. Rant over. If you want to know the real deal, if you listen to the episode, the twist episode, Mark Cuban is the guy. And Mark Cuban, his his email is a well-known secret on the internet, his mm-hmm. actual email. Mark Cuban will respond to your emails. You know, he talks directly with his people. Mark Cuban isn't talking through his assistant. So, you know, two things. One, well, you I know. think it's not cool to act I think it's not cool to act baller when you're not baller. And uh, you're not famous, so don't have your assistant contact you. And the second thing is, it just kind of depends on the kind of person that you are, you know? I don't know. I'd rather be like Mark Cuban, and it sounds like you would, too. Well, I'm going to have my assistant send an email out to Mark Cuban. He sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> All right, this one's at tropicalmba.com slash location independent. Thank you. I, Ian, you're such a baller. I noticed, man, you're, you're not even on the social medias. I know that you're so busy with your life and your enterprise, your empire. So thankful that you took the time out to... Uh, come and not send your manila virtual assistant (laughs) we'll talk about it (laughs) all right we'll be back next thursday morning 8 a.m eastern standard time Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.